Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Right. Well, good morning. Again, happy Easter to you. Uh, a traditional greeting that Christians have been sharing with one another for thousands of years is one person will say, he, he is risen, and another believer responds back with, he is risen indeed. So I thought it'd be cool to carry in that tradition for a moment. So, he is risen. Amen. Amen. That is a good thing. I have a question for you to think about. You don't necessarily need to answer out loud this morning, uh, but have you ever heard God speak to you? Have you ever heard God speak to you? And for many of us, I think when, when we think about this idea of hearing God speak, we think about a voice breaking through the clouds, right? Calling out our name, Fritz, you know, don't take that job, right? Or, or whatever it is. And, and he's telling us what to do. I think some people think about angels uh, who come and visit people with a message. Or maybe you think about biblical examples like Moses at the burning bush or Isaiah, in the temple, right? And so what happens, because these are the ways that our minds think about God speaking to us, we go looking for those kinds of examples. And in the meantime, we miss all the other ways that God is already speaking to us. Did you know that God shares about his character simply through creation? Did you know that? Do you know that, that the creativity and the order of our world simply display his glory and divine power. Did you know that God speaks to you through the situations in your life? Maybe there have been moments where, where life's clarity has come to you like never before, or maybe you sensed that you were saved from some very, very significant accident where many other people may not have been saved from that. Maybe your eyes were opened to a new, deeper truth. <coughs> God even speaks to you through other people sometimes. And so whether it's creation, whether it's God's spirit, whether it's the Bible, God is speaking to you. And so the question that gets begged out of that is, am I listening? And are you listening for what God has to say? Because what God has to say to you is the most important thing you will ever hear. And I don't want anybody to miss what God has to say to them. And so today, what I want to do is I want to share three truths with you about God speaking to you in your life and how it is that we can respond to him. And so as uh, one of the mats said, uh, if you will turn in your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 1, also uh, find Luke 24 and put a mark in there as well, because we're going to go to those two places. But Hebrews 1 will be our first place. And, or you can click over there on your devices to get there. While you're going there, again, I want to welcome you to Lighthouse Community. Thank you for being here. What a special, great day. You're with us. My name is Fritz. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I want to welcome all of our guests who are here in the house with us today. And I do want to welcome anybody joining us from Bluffton Community, Fostoria, any friends from Living Hope, and then all of our friends joining us at Lighthouse Online right now. Super, super glad that you are with us. By the way, if you're on the chat, maybe you'll shout in there and go, hey, I'm here and I'm ready for uh, Resurrection Sunday today. But uh, we're kicking off this brand new series called Focus, Resisting the Drift Away from Jesus. And so for 
the next seven weeks, we're going to focus our eyes on the person of Jesus and see why he really is greater than anyone else. Before we jump into our uh, our teaching, let's take a moment just to pray very quickly. Lord, we recognize that if we don't hear you speak, you're, you're the one we need to hear more than anybody else, more than our friends, more than our parents, more than our children, more than our relatives, more, more, more than me. We need to hear from you. And so we're simply asking you, Holy Spirit, we know you're here. We know you're in this room. We know you're living in the lives of people who have said yes to you. We're simply asking, will you move and work and do what the scripture said that you will do, which is lead us into the truth about Jesus Christ. And so we would, we would beg you to do that in this place this morning. We're longing for that. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, here's the first truth I want to talk about this morning, and it's this, is that God has spoken to you through Jesus. God has spoken to you through Jesus. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says this, that long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And so what this passage is saying, if you go right to verse 1, it says, listen, in the past God has spoken through the prophets of the Old Testament Testament. He's spoken through Moses. He's spoken through Isaiah. He's spoken through Ezekiel, right? And you can go there and read their words today if you want to, and they're powerful, and you can clearly hear God speaking through those. But verse 2 says this, but now God has spoken to us through Jesus. Now you have to know that Jesus was a man in the flesh, but he was more, he is more than a man only. That's what the rest of these verses are pointing to. The rest of these verses are saying, yes, he was in the flesh, but he's God. This is God. He is in every sense God. He's the exact radiance of the glory of God. He's the one who created the universe. If you want to look at, if you want to see God, you look at Jesus. That's, that's what these passages are saying, that he sustains the universe because he's God. And so God himself showed up into our world and he spoke. And here's what that means for you and me. Since God showed up and he spoke, that means God wants you to know him. God wants you to know him. And that's exactly why he's spoken through the prophets. It's exactly why he's spoken through Jesus. It's why he's spoken through the New Testament letters from Paul and Peter and James and others. The second reason that's important is that Jesus is the clearest view of God you will ever get. You have to know that. You will never see God more clearly than when you see the person of Jesus Christ. Because he is the exact imprint of who God is. He is the radiance of God's glory. And so if you want to see God, look, look to Jesus. 
And also, God is inviting you. If God's speaking, that means God is inviting you to listen. He's inviting you to listen. You might not know this. God has heard your cries. God has heard your fears. God has heard your frustrations. He knows the things that are weighing in your mind and in your spirit late at night when no one else knows what you're thinking about, what you're working through. When you don't tell anybody those innermost thoughts, God knows those. And he hears them. And he has spoken to you through Christ. And when he speaks through Christ, and when you receive that by faith, what God does is he performs a healing in your spirit and in your soul and in your mind and in your life. And it doesn't mean you never have any problems ever again. What it means is that you never walk alone. And you walk with the one who can solve every issue you'll ever face. And so God has spoken, and it is our privilege to listen to what he has to say. That's the first truth. The second truth is this. God has spoken to you through Jesus' death. God has spoken to you through Jesus' death. We were in Hebrews 1. I want you to flip over to Hebrews chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 9. It says this. But we see him, talking about Jesus who for a little while was made lower than the angels, meaning he was found in the flesh, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering." For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. This is critical. That through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And so again, what this passage is saying is that Jesus, who is God, became man in the flesh, and that God has spoken to you, and he's spoken to me through the life of Jesus. And so the question is, what did God say? Through the life of Jesus. Well, God showed us what real life is supposed to look like through Jesus. He showed us what real life is supposed to look like. And when you look at the life of Jesus, you find out that real life, the way that that looks, is actually learning how to rely on God in every moment for everything. That's what real life looks like. And in fact, what Jesus did by living this perfect life, always relying on God, he showed us in the most kind way possible that we don't live that life. We don't live a life in which we rely on God for everything. In fact, we tend to rely on ourselves or something else. By the way, that is the definition of sin. 
That, that is the core kernel understanding of sin. I know for many of us, we have this understanding of sin, that sin is lying and stealing and cheating and adultery and, right, like not putting your shopping cart back when you're at Kroger, right? That, like, that's sin. And that's true. That's the man, maybe not the Kroger thing. It is. No, it is. Um, listen, uh, put it back. Just put it back. Uh, anyways, so uh, those are the acts of sin. That's the manifestation of sin. But where sin starts is living life without relying on the Lord. That's where sin always begins. And and what happens is sin is very, very sneaky. Because what happens is too many people rely on doing the right things in order to live a good life. And so what we end up doing without even realizing it is we take things that we've heard from the Bible or that seem biblical and we create this code of conduct, right? Things like we've already said, we don't lie, we don't steal. We're kind to one another, create financial stability, Getting those carts back in the corral, right? All of these rules, this code that we follow. And so what we do is we, re- we rely on this code to characterize our lives as, as being good. But even the good thing, hear this, this is so critical. Even the good things we do are stained by selfishness. I know you, you, just, you don't want to hear that. Right? It's like, I'm a good person. You have to know that even the good things we do are stained by selfishness. For, think, about, think about some of the motivations behind it. I do good things because they make me feel good. I do good things because it makes me look good to other people. I do good things because it benefits me in some way. It keeps our society running and flowing in a very nice way. And when you begin to peel things back, you realize this is about me. This is really about me. And that's sin, right? That's, that's sin. And it's so sneaky. And you have to know that sin separates us from God. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why it was an act of grace for Jesus to die the death that you deserve to die for your sin. Because you didn't live the life that you were meant to live. Because I didn't live the life that I was supposed to live. And so Jesus took your punishment in your place for your sin. He took the punishment for all of your selfish evil works. And Jesus took all the punishment for all of your selfish good works. All of it. Right? And when Jesus died, this is what I love about this verse, this passage. When Jesus died, he broke the power of Satan and he freed us from being slaves over the fear of death. And that is so important. This is so, so critical. Because some here today, you actually don't know why Jesus is such a big deal. You don't understand why we celebrate Jesus so, so massively and as big as we can on Easter Sunday. And in fact, why we celebrate him every Sunday. Why we celebrate him every single day. Because when you've truly met Jesus Christ as your forgiver and leader, and you realize you have been set free from the power of death, you have been set free from the authority of the one who was looming that over top of you, you see how great he is. Because of our sin, we deserve to be separated from God. But, but in an act of God's overwhelming grace, Jesus died in my place. Jesus died in your place. And this is what God has spoken to us through Jesus' death. But thankfully, God didn't stop speaking at Jesus' death. That leads us to the third truth, that God has spoken to you through Jesus' resurrection. God has spoken to you through Jesus' resurrection. And in fact, that's why we're all here today. 
This is exactly why we're all here today. If Jesus' resurrection is the central hinge that all of Christianity hangs on, if there's no resurrection, none of it matters. It it doesn't. I I appreciate what uh, former pastor W.J. Sparrow Simpson wrote. He says this, If the resurrection is not historic fact, then the power of death remains unbroken. And with it, the effect of sin and the significance of Christ's death remains uncertified. And accordingly, believers are yet in their sins precisely where they were before they heard Jesus' name. What he's saying is, if the resurrection isn't real and the resurrection didn't happen, then none of this matters. And I'm wasting your time and you're wasting my time right now. And we should go do something different. But praise God that the evidence is overwhelming that the reality that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead three days later and he's still alive today, seated at the right hand of the Father even now, which is amazing. And when we talk about, just for clarity, when we talk about the resurrection, we're talking about the fact that Jesus really did die on the cross. Okay, he actually died. And he was separated from the Father by taking ownership of our sin. I want you to think about this. Jesus, the author of life, died. The Son faced separation from the Father because of our sin. And Sunday morning, God resurrected Jesus back to life, a glorious life. And that is exactly what Luke chapter 24 is talking about. And I want to look at that passage just very quickly, starting in verse 1. It says, but on the first day of the week, right, Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared because they thought Jesus was dead. As far as they knew, they're going to take care of his body. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to him, said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember, right? Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. And so they're seeing this with their own eyes, but they can't comprehend. It's outside of what we understand to be normal. A guy who was dead, we all saw him die. He was hanging on the cross. They stabbed him. The blood and the flowed. Uh, the water flowed. It, right? he's, he's dead. And now he's not here. And there's angels declaring that he's alive. What? They couldn't wrap their minds around it. But later, Jesus and the Holy Spirit helped them understand. And now we understand too. 
What we understand about Jesus' resurrection is this, is that Jesus' resurrection is God's approval for Jesus' sacrifice of sin. That's what one of the things are that comes out of that. That Jesus' death really is the final and ultimate payment for sin. Your debt has been paid. My debt has been fully paid. Because God rose Jesus from the dead. He's saying, I approve. I accept that you're sacrificed is enough. The second thing we understand is this, is that God says that Satan is defeated. Death is defeated. And Jesus has conquered our greatest fear. The third thing God says to us through the resurrection is this, is that because Jesus is alive, that those who put their hope in Christ as well, they have the hope of resurrection too. That death will not have this final word in your life. In fact, God will. I think what's amazing that it's through death that Jesus conquered death. Think about this for a moment. The very weapon that Satan used to loom over top of you and me with fear, Jesus transformed that into the tool of our rescue. That it's through death we find rescue and hope even in our own lives for all of eternity. And so God has spoken through Jesus. He's spoken through his death. He's spoken through his resurrection. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for you and for me? And, and I think when you talk about, well, somebody who's speaking, then the obvious response is then that we should listen. And I think that's true. But I also think there's a deeper invitation that God is making to you and to me. It's a part of listening, but it's deeper than listening. It's actually found back in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 13. And I love this passage. Actually, let's read. It's a very short passage. Let's read this passage out loud together, uh, starting with, I will put my trust. Are you ready? Go. I will put my trust in him. That's, that's the invitation. That's the invitation that God is making. Put, put your trust in Jesus. Put all of your trust in Jesus. And, and while we understand those words, I think it's helpful to break that down a little bit. What, what I mean by that is it means making a voluntary decision to learn how to rely on Jesus for everything, because that's what real life looks like anyways. Learn how to rely on Jesus for everything. And so some of what that means is you trust that what Jesus said and did in the Bible is true. You, when, you trust that when Jesus said, you suffer from the problem of sin, that's true. You trust that when it says that Jesus is the final ultimate payment for your sin and there's no more owed on top of that, that's true. That when you read in the scriptures that it says Jesus' resurrection conquered death and gives you hope for all of eternity, you believe that that's true as well. And you trust that God knows more about life and God knows more about your life than even you do. And so you trust him through everything that you face. He's inviting you to trust him with everything. Isn't that scary when you think about that? Like, just being honest. You have one person who's inviting you to put all of your trust in him. If that doesn't freak you out a little bit, I don't think you realize what Jesus is saying here. Especially when we, as a whole group of people, we have learned how to be suspicious of everybody. Let's take a quick scientific poll. Raise your hand if you trust the government. 
Oh, <laughs> no, no, not even you, Smith? All right, okay, all right, nobody's raising their hand, all right, okay. Listen, we, we've all learned how not to trust others. We've all learned that. Personally, just being transparent with you, my parents' divorce taught me not to trust marriage, and I've been unlearning that for the last 20 years. My dad was an alcoholic, and I learned that I could not trust that every decision he made actually had my best interest at heart. And I'm unlearning some of those things still today. You've had friends hurt you deeply. You've had spouses who told you they would be with you forever walk out. You've had people who told you up and down that you could trust them and you realize you couldn't. You had parents turn away from you. You've had children snub you. And we've all learned to distrust. And so when we have the invitation that I will put my trust in him, every one of us in the back of our mind has this, yeah, but. I get it, but. So I think it begs the question, how how do I how do I trust God? I'm I'm suspicious of all I'm suspicious especially of one who carries all authority and all power. How do I trust that person? I'm gonna tell you how to trust that person. And when I share it with you, you're gonna go, oh. And at the same time, it's gonna feel a little bit underwhelming. You're going to say, this is what I paid for to come, right? How do I trust God? One step at a time. That's how you trust him. You learn to trust him one step at a time. You trust God one step at a time. And as you do, trusting God one step at a time, you will find that God is the only person that you can trust every single time. That God is the only person who has always told you the truth, whether it's good or whether it's hard to hear. You realize that God is the only person who has always kept his promises. God always does what he says he will do. And when you trust him one step at a time, you begin to see that more and more. My wife, Christina, and I are reaching the age where we look at birds. <laughs> Some of you are at that age or know that it's coming, I can tell. So there are bird feeders all over our property so that we can look at birds. Someone's leading this charge in my family, it's not me. But there's another animal that likes to eat from the bird feeders. Does anybody know what animal that is? Yes. Ah, you're bird watchers too, I see. Okay. Very good. So what Christina did is instead of fighting the squirrels, she actually put up a feeder just for the squirrels. So now we look at squirrels too. Interestingly, though, there's, there's only one squirrel who comes. Uh, and my youngest daughter, my only daughter, Karis, has named him Joey. And so uh, Joey, the first time that Joey saw his own squirrel feeder, uh, he started coming to the house, but then he realized, I'm too close to this house, and he stopped. 
and he wouldn't come any further just looking. And you could see his little squirrely jaws drooling, right? They go after that. And then the next day, he came closer. And then one day, we actually saw Joey on his feeder just munching away on whatever was in there. And when we came near, Joey ran, right? He took off. And then there came another day where Joey was on his feeder, and we came near, and Joey stayed. And we're at the place now. Literally, just yesterday, Joey's on the feeder, and I'm, I'm, I am inches away, right? My nose is pressed against the glass, and Joey's on the other side, right? You know, it's just, and he just, he doesn't even really care, right? See, Joey's learning to trust us one step at a time. And you can learn how to trust God, too. Listen, you don't, you don't have to do everything right now. I, some, I know for some of you, you think that. You think, I have to do all the things right now. And if I don't, then I must not really love God. But I want to tell you something. You can take one step today. One step today. And then tomorrow, if God gives you a tomorrow, you can take one step tomorrow. And then you can take one step the next day and one step after that. And before you realize it, you take enough steps and you look back to where you were and you look to where you are and you realize that you are fully in the hands of God, trusting him for absolutely everything. And if you had asked you a year ago, five years ago, six months, whatever the time frame is, you go, I could never live that way. But when you walk one step at a time, you begin to realize to see what God can do. I want to throw out just a couple of one steps that you might consider taking based on how close you are to the bird feeder. And for some of you, it is literally a miracle that you showed up here in this building today or that you joined us online from wherever that you're joining us. It's a miracle. And so for you, what I want to say first off is thank you for trusting us. Thank you for trusting that if you come here, we're going to point you to hope in Christ and that alone and nothing else. Thank you. And one next step that I might throw out for you that you could take is that simply you could come back next week. Maybe that's your one step, that next Sunday you would join us. Or maybe you've been joining online for a very long time, and maybe your next step is if you're in the area is to actually join us in person as a family. By the way, if today is very, very helpful for you, and you're going, wow, God has spoken to me in a clear way, I'm going to tell you this, you'll enjoy next Sunday too, because this is what we do every single weekend. We intentionally don't do anything super extra special on Easter Sunday because we know how we have many guests. And what happens is when churches do lots and lots of extra stuff on Sunday, and we're all like, wow, that was awesome, and then you come back next Sunday and none of that is there, and you go, I want to go to that church from last Sunday, not this one. And so we do the exact same thing on Easter Sunday for that very reason, because if you found this helpful, if you found this engaging, you're going to find next Sunday helpful and engaging. And you're going to find the Sunday after that, and you're going to find Memorial Day weekend and whatever, all these days are going to be helpful because this is what we do. And so I want to invite you to come back next week. That could be your one step. For some of you, your next step could be to start learning about life, uh, about the life of Jesus from the Bible. Maybe you have no idea where to start. Well, we have a resource that I'd like to give for you, give to you for free. It's called 30 Days in the Bible with Jesus. 
So it's a wonderful uh, Bible reading plan. I would love to send that to you uh, so that you could use that. But that might be a step for you is to learn what does the Bible say about Jesus. For others of you, you're ready to start journeying with new friends. Earlier today, you heard uh, Matt and Matt talking about small groups. This is a wonderful way to learn how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to build friendships with other people, and walk through life together. Uh, I wonder how could God transform your life over the next 10 weeks because you put trust in him in that way. And so all of these are just one steps. By the way, all of these steps are on your blue connection card. And I'm wondering if you'd do me a favor, if you have that nearby, you grab that, pull that out, flip it over to the back, and you'll see all those next steps on the back of your blue card. Let me know which next steps you're taking, whether you're planning to come back, whether you'd like uh, the Bible reading plan. By the way, there's a second Bible reading plan that you can request on there as well that's going to tie in with our whole series. Or maybe you want to sign up for a small group as well. I want to invite you to take that next step. How can you trust God? I would love, the reason I want you to do that and make sure your info's on the front, I would love to be able to pray for you this week. I want to be able to send you those resources so you can start trusting God in your own life. And so you need to know that God has spoken to you. God has spoken to you through Jesus. God has spoken to you through Jesus' death. God has spoken to you through Jesus' resurrection. And God is speaking to you this morning. And I love this quote that the stone was rolled away from the tomb not to let Jesus out, but to let the world in. God wanted you to see what he was doing. And he wanted to invite you in to what he was doing. And you're here today because you want to hear God's voice. You're here today because you want to experience him. It's not enough for secondhand experience or to hear what other people have to say about him. You want to hear from him your very self. And I want to help you do that. And you need to know that God is speaking to you even right now, that the Holy Spirit, he's inviting you to put your trust into him. But you have to make the voluntary decision to learn how to put your trust in him. And what God is saying to you is he's saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. I'm the only one you can, I know all these other people have let you down, but you can trust me. And I simply want you to trust me one step at a time. And there is no greater joy than knowing God. To know that you are loved infinitely by the God of life who is willing to die for you in your place and take on all the consequences and give you all of the benefit and you don't have to work an ounce for it. God is alive today and he's inviting you to join him. And so what I've done just very briefly is I've put together a prayer that you could pray to help you express faith that God may be welling up within you and inviting you into. And it just simply says this, Lord, I want to experience your grace today. I believe Jesus is your son. I realize that I need a savior and I'm asking you to be mine. Help me to reject living life without you and instead follow you as my leader from now on. That may help you express what God is doing in your life. And, and let me be clear, there's, it's not reciting this prayer that saves you. That's not how this works. 
It's trusting Christ. It's trusting that Jesus is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do and he's already accomplished all the work that needs to be accomplished for us to be in friendship with God. And if I'll say yes to him, he'll transform me one step at a time as I follow him. And so this prayer is simply a way to express the trust that you sense welling up inside of you. And here's a cool thing, is when you do put your trust in Christ, you actually start hearing from God even more. You start hearing from Him in fresh ways from Scripture. You start hearing from Him through prayer. You start hearing from Him through other growing disciples around you. It's absolutely incredible. But you have to know that God speaks to you because he loves you. And so this morning, I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and to ask Jesus this question, what are you saying to me right now? And then I just want you to listen for a moment. Jesus, I don't know what you're saying to all of my friends here this morning because everybody's in a different place. But you know where we are. You know what you're inviting us into. You know what you're calling us and what you're saying to us even right now. And I want to speak to those of you just just for a moment, those of you who know, you recognize you are hearing God speak to you with clarity and he is inviting you to put your trust in him either for the very first time or maybe you've pulled trust back, you've been living life your own way and you're ready to put your trust back into him again today and to trust him one step today. And then if there's a tomorrow, you're going to trust him one step tomorrow. I want to talk to you. Because I want to invite you, I would not, I, it would be sin for me to not do this and end the service. And so this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to make your commitment clear in your own mind and in your own heart before the Lord. And so I'm going to walk you through that prayer one more time. And you can even look up on the screen because it's going to be on the screen and you can use that as a help if you want to to pray it along with me. But I'm going to pray it out loud. You can pray it out loud wherever you're joining us. If you're joining us online, you can pray that out loud. You can pray it silently in your spirit. It does not matter to me. But I want to pray this with you as a defining moment if you're ready to make that decision. It's simply this, Lord, I want to experience your grace today. I believe Jesus is your son. I realize I need a savior and I'm asking you to be mine. Help me reject living life without you and instead follow you as my leader from now on. Amen. And I'm just wondering, just a moment between you and I. I'm very quick. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and just say, so you can say, yep, I I prayed that prayer. I'm making that decision. I'm trusting Jesus Christ today, and I'm not looking for certain people or any number. I'm just curious if anybody has made that decision, because I want to pray for you, because I, I want to be able to walk with you and help you take your next step with Jesus. And so on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand up real quick uh, so I can see. Are you ready? If you prayed that prayer, if you made that decision today to follow Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Just lift up your hand real quick. Oh, wow. Yes, I see you back there. Yes, in the back here. Up front. Yes, I love it. Anyone else? 
Anyone else? Just real quick. Wonderful. Amen. Amen. Hey, church family, can we celebrate this morning that five people have said yes to Jesus again or for the first time? This is wonderful. This is what we do here. Listen, here's what's going to happen. The band's going to come up. They're going to lead us in one more song. And during this song, we're going to have prayer leaders who are going to be available in each corner of the room. If you're part of Lighthouse, you know we love praying with and for one another. I'm going to ask those prayer leaders to start heading to those corners. We'll have one up here, one up here, one back by the sound booth. One will be guarding the double door so you can't leave without prayer, um, right? <laughs> and we're not letting you sneak out, right? And I just ask during this time that nobody leave unless you have an emergency. I understand that. But let this be a time where we can really focus on the Lord. We can minister to one another and worship. But the band's going to lead us in one more song. And during that song, if you'd like to receive prayer, you can just step out of your seat, go to one of these corners, with these prayer leaders who would love and are trained and are ready to pray with you about absolutely anything. And you never need to be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. Never, never be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. I'm up here most Sundays because I need prayer every day. So don't let that hold you back. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to invite you to come as well. Will you join me in standing as we prepare for worship and get ready to move uh, with prayer? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.